So today we're going to talk about ambition. What does it mean if you want to change the world? What does it mean to have the American dream? What does it mean to be a self-made man or a self-made woman? And how does that stack up with God's word? Uh, Jesus was tempted by three things when he was out in the wilderness. Some of you remember those. First one we dealt with last week, appetite. That was a toughie, right? And then the next thing is ambition. That's what we're going to talk about today. And the last one is affirmation. What does everybody think? We'll deal with that next week. But uh, if you have your Bible, turn to uh, Luke 4, or actually for most of you, turn on, you know, push, push the on button on your Bible. And I want to see the glow of the Spirit on your faces as you're reading. Luke 4, 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. But Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then Satan went on to the next temptation. Now, I found it interesting this week as I read verse 8. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's from Deuteronomy 6. This is the passage that has the Shema in it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Wow. And so Jesus was basically answering this temptation, this shortcut that Satan was, uh, was tempting him with, and just saying, my focus needs to be on God my Father. He is my love. My love is not all the countries of the world. My love is not everyone bowing down to me. My love is not my accomplishment. My love is my Father in heaven. That was his answer for Satan. Now, what if Jesus had said yes? Now, that's not how it went. Usually we just read it and we skip over it. But I was thinking about it this week. What if he had said, hey, That is an easier way. I don't have to go to the cross. I don't have to suffer all this stuff. I mean, the whole world could know me right now. Satan said, hey, I've got the power to do this. He proposed a shortcut to Jesus. Just just do this one act, and you're going to save three years of pain, and you're going to not have to enter into all of that stuff that you have planned. How about if we just do that whole whole world worshiping uh, you right now? What would have been the result for us? If he had said yes, history would have been written a totally different way if Jesus had fallen in this moment and at any moment. But isn't that true in our lives where we listen to what the enemy says and he says, you know, you just do it this way. This way is better. This way makes more sense. I mean, why would you want to do it the hard way? But isn't, isn't it true in life that often the hard way is the right way? And the easy way, the shortcut is the wrong way. But that's true in our lives, where Satan just says, hey, don't worry, but just do it my way and not that way. That'll be easier. But Satan has your destruction in mind. He was out to destroy the Son of God on this mission to rescue us. And he leveled these huge temptations at him. And thankfully, Jesus said no. Now, in our lives, I feel like Satan is often casting things in, and he's waiting for us to bite. And some of those things in our lives have a lot to do with accomplishment, ambition, how do people see us, 
What's the future going to look like? And so he might say, you know, I think it's important that you try for a new job. And I think you should do anything it takes to get that job, even if that means, you know, you fudge a little bit on the application and you make that other person look bad and you, use your, you make promises that maybe you can't keep. Hmm. And then he might say, you know, it's, it's important that you get that other degree even if it just kills your marriage. Because, you know, it's always important to have more and better and higher and faster and stronger and to have as much stuff hanging on the wall as you can. And it's all about you. But is it all about us? It's not all about us. So in my life, I have to fight this battle between what does it mean to be a self-made man? What does it mean to be a God-made person? Hmm. What does it mean to have the things that I dream about, the American dream, to build my kingdom and have the right house, the right car, the right job, the right family, right? The right dog, the right cat, the right water that I drink. Or is it more about his kingdom? His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. We don't hear a lot about God's kingdom when we think about the American dream all the time. So I was thinking about going fishing like this, where, where we are... Now, now, this looks good to a fish for some reason, okay? I, I don't know how that works. I've been studying it for years. But there may be a more efficient way to go fishing. What if I just took out my boat with this? And I just got out there, you know, right in the middle of the ocean, and I pulled up next to Anacapa Island, and I said, hey, all y'all calco bass down there? Come on. I've got the, I got the pan already. We're going to save some time. Just jump right up in here, and we'll fry y'all up for dinner. How successful do you think this tactic is going to be? Satan in your life does not use this tactic. He doesn't say, hey, welcome to destruction. Welcome to the end of your life, the end of all your dreams, the end of anything that God has planned for you. Just jump right into the fryer. He doesn't do it that way. He does it this way. He throws a little sexy thing at you, and he goes, hey, everybody's doing it. I've been out on days when I've caught fish that are racing other fish to the bait. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just like, hey, what are we doing? We're going to go, oh, we're going to chase that hooky thing. Okay, cool. And I'll catch a fish when there are like eight or nine fish chasing, you know, all fighting over it. They have no idea what they're in for. But that's kind of like how it works in our Western culture that we're like, hey, where are we all going? Oh, we're going for that, that thing, that big promotion and that big, you know, more, better, faster, strong. It's, we don't even know what we're getting in for. But a lot of times, the danger zone lies ahead. The frying pan is ahead of us. And Jesus saw it coming and sets us a great example and says, no, my focus is on the Lord. My focus is not about worshiping you, Satan. My focus is not about the shortcut to get the kingdoms of the world to say yes now. I heard a funny um, temptation, Oscar Wilde, uh, or a funny quote. Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist anything but temptation. Have you ever heard that? Franklin Jones said this, what makes resisting temptation difficult for many people is they don't want to discourage it completely. Ooh, that hurts. 
right? We kind of want to dance around it. We don't want to just get this thing totally out of our lives. Now, what's wrong with ambition, really? I was looking at the, uh, the definition. An earnest desire for achievement or distinction as power, honor, fame, or wealth, and the willingness to strive for its attainment. I really feel like the addiction, that, the ambition that God wants us to steer clear of is an addiction to winning. It's, it's a compulsive desire to be successful at everything that we do, and it's really an illness. Because, man, many times, if we have to be successful, we are willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish that, including cutting corners, including the danger of the frying pan. How many of you have seen the movie Talladega Nights? Do you remember the best quote from the movie? If you're not first, you're, you're dead last. Now, now we, no one laughed at that? Isn't that kind of how we live our lives, though? We're like, man, I got I to gotta be number one. I got to do this the best. Or else we feel like we have failed in some way. But that's not in God's word. God's word is more about living in community, living in community with him and saying, Lord, what is your will for my life? And living in community with each other where we're honoring one another above ourselves. Now, I wanted to have a few of us in the room read some verses and I want to have everybody listen up to what does this say about ambition? What does this say about God's kingdom? And what does this say about humility? So whoever has that first verse, go ahead and stand up and read it for us. Dewey, I think you're getting us started. Thanks. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Thank you. Jesus said in John 15, without him we can do nothing. What he means is nothing of kingdom significance can happen without him unless we remain in him. Not even the smallest kingdom advance, the smallest seed the smallest movement, the smallest block in a building can be made in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, unless we are tuned in with him. All the stuff that we spend all of our time on, apart from him, will not last eternally. Somebody once said the only thing that will last forever is is a soul. So think about that. If the things that we spend our time on on earth don't impact souls then they're not really accomplishing anything that will last beyond our lifetime. Even if we think that they do, and they are. I liked this quote. It's a righteous person who disadvantages himself for the good of others. Hmm. Now this subject of ambition totally messes me up. 
don't know if it messes you up, but I was raised in a home where it's like, make your life count, right? It's not about just success, it's about significance. I want to do something significant with my life so that when I'm gone, when I'm worm food, people will say, hey, something good happened. I left a good smell behind, right? Now, the, the word says that your life is a mist, right? Psh, and then it's gone, it vanishes. But the idea is to leave a good smell behind so that other people will think about what your life was about. That's, now, I haven't said anything wrong, right? Now, the problem is I didn't really talk about Jesus much in that. I talked about my life counting, other people saying, hey, he lived a good life. We like, we like Kirk. Good guy. He came over and helped me pull weeds one day. Man, that guy's great, right? But what if my life is more about what Jesus wants and his kingdom? And maybe, if it, doesn't ma- maybe it doesn't matter how people remember me as long as they remember him. I remember going to um, a a conference called Passion in Austin, Texas, and there was a lady named Beth Moore speaking there. Anybody know Beth? She will kick your butt. (laughs) Serious. Now, she challenged us with this question of significance and success in our lives, and she said that if our lives are truly successful in a biblical sense, When someone looks at the path of your life after it is gone, they will see the mark of the cross because through your life you have been dragging the cross and it has been erasing your footprints as you go. Blew my mind. That is is not how I was programmed to think. But in that moment, I really felt like Jesus stood in front of me and said, do you get it? It's not about you. It's about me. And if we claim to be Christians, Christ ones, then what do we want to leave behind? The fragrance of Christ. Not the fragrance of Kirk. Not Caneo Church. Not the DeWitt family. That's fine. I mean, I'm blessed. My family is pretty, has a great history. Except for a couple of colorful people in the past. But overall, pretty good. But in the future, I don't want people to think about me. I want people to think about him. If my life is significant, it's because my ambition is for his kingdom and not for mine. Do you understand that? Now, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he could have taken the easy way out. He could have taken the way of fame. He could have taken the way of popularity. He could have bowed down and taken the easy shortcut. But instead, he chose the way of suffering for you. He chose the way of the cross. He chose the way of obscurity. He chose the way of pain so that we could be with him, so that we would have joy forever. Now, here's another big piece of this. Short-term pain long-term joy. Short-term fasting, giving up something, focusing on the Lord, long-term, stronger relationship with him. Short-term, giving up that promotion because maybe it puts you on the road more and you don't see your wife and kids. Long-term, you still have your wife and kids, right? Short-term, you may earn a little bit less if you spend time serving other people, if you take your time spending time with Jesus, 
You may say no to the, the, the things that your friends are going like, what are you doing? Long term, you're spending time becoming more like him. Now here's the verse that I want us all to remember before we, before we close out this teaching time. And this is from Isaiah 26.8. And I want us to say it out loud because this is really a prayer of saying what's important. What's important is his name, not mine. It doesn't matter. I mean, no offense, but Eric, Cheryl, Rick, Rick. I mean, right? Jesus is the name that matters. And does it matter if I'm famous? Does it matter, Mike, if you, you know, you're on, the, on the, the road and you're a rock star? Or is it, does it matter if it's... No, Jesus is the star. That's the focus. So as we read this, and I want us to read it twice, think about the words that you're saying, and I want you to make this your prayer to the Lord today. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws. I need you to read with me. We wait for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. And let's say it one more time. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Hmm. If your only concern is leaving behind you the mark of the cross, you will beat ambition in your life every time. No chance for failure. Do you get it? Amen. Amen. Hmm. Now, I want to have the, the band come up, and, uh, and Corrine's going to share a couple of announcements, but I really, I really feel like we need to seal this thing uh, with prayer because we live in a culture where we're tempted to say yes and to take shortcuts and to, um, to make ourselves look good. And, and it's really this hard tension because we do want our lives to matter. We do want to pay the bills. We don't want people to look at us. I mean, we, we don't want to be like the guy in the parable of the sower who didn't do anything. We have to find that balance in working, but in working for him. There's a verse that says, do, um, when you work, work as if you're working for him, working for the Lord. So let me just, um, just focus your hearts in prayer for a minute. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to see you above all else. Help us to see this decision that you made to say no to the enemy and to say yes to pain, to suffering, to the cross, to obscurity for a while in order to build your kingdom, in order to call us into joy and into peace and into forever life with you. Jesus, thank you for choosing us over the easy way. And Lord, we want our lives to count. We want, we want to change the world. But Lord, we know that none of that happens apart from you. We can't do anything without you. We can't do anything that matters, anything that will last for eternity, anything that's of your kingdom without the power of your spirit, without connection into you, Jesus. And so Lord, free us from all these lies about being the self-made person and making it happen and climbing the ladder and, and knocking other people out. Lord, may we point people towards you with our lives and with our choices. And may we listen to you and follow you 
out on the water, Lord, where it's scary. But we know that you love us and we know that your plan is right. Your plan is beautiful. Your plan is perfect. Jesus, we trust you. Lord, build your kingdom here in our hearts, in our community, in our church. May the gates of hell not stand against it. May our choices all stack up. May they be offerings. May they be sacrifices on the altar to you. So that, Lord, when we're long gone, you would be a hundred feet tall in this community. You would be so obvious through our lives. That, Lord, our lives would be a fragrant offering of Jesus. That our neighbors, our friends, our family would know, know that you are what mattered to us and not all the stuff of this world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.